This week's events were organised by Porty Community Energy. In recent years, it's been a driving force for change, hosting workshops and practical demonstrations, such as the Bike Fest during the summer, designed to show that there are alternatives to the ways in which we've lived our lives until now. This Saturday saw different venues hosting different aspects of how to retrofit not just a single house, but perhaps a series of tenements, which pose major problems of their own. It was all held under the banner of the Heat Fair, but I wanted to know more from Gillian Wilson from Porty Community Energy about the Retrofit Roadshow. Which is all about trying to help local people think about low-carbon heating in their homes. We know loads of people live in a communal stair or in a tenement and that it's really difficult to do stuff on your own. And so the Retrofit Roadshow in particular is looking at an initiative in Edinburgh where we as local community people who might get together in a stair could get advice and support in doing something a bit more collective. And Porty Community Energies very interested in supporting groups of people like that in Portobello who want to take an initiative as a group. And uh, yeah, so if anybody's interested in trying to do something in their stair and wants to find out a bit more, that's what this idea, this event is all about. How can you improve the efficiency of your home and do more to reduce energy use in heating your home? The roadshow itself is relatively new. It's been brought together by ALA Impacts, which describes itself as a not-for-profit community interest company, providing property and construction advice that creates a lasting impact. One of its founders is Ethan Lewis. It was actually a Banzai up in Brunsfield. They were the ones who organised the first one, and they pulled together Kat, who was here before, Joanne, and a local architect. And it was such a success that when we were then working with the Climate Forum, and we were looking for ways to help other communities, we thought, well, why don't we just take this model and, and replicate it? How did you get involved with Porty, or particularly Porty Community Energy? Well, because of the Edinburgh Communities Climate Action Forum, because of that, that's really a place where lots of community groups come together. And so Hazel sits on the facilitation and support group. So when we were talking on that about these retrofit roadshows and how well they're going, Hazel said, well, I'm, I'm running this event, a heat fair. Why don't you come along and you could pair your roadshow with our heat fair and we can try and help people in, in the Porty area with the advice that you can give. So that's how we got here. How broad is the advice you can give? It's an interesting one because a lot of people come to these things thinking that we're going to tell them what type of insulation to put on their walls or what type of heat pump to get and all that sort of thing. They're really technical things. But actually, it's more big picture than that because that advice is out there and lots of people are talking about that. What people aren't talking about is how to get over the, the hurdles of paying for those things, about getting the right advice, about not accidentally doing the wrong thing. And the answers to all those lie in people grouping together as communities and so that you can buy at scale, you can get advice from each other, support. And so really the message that the roadshow typically gives is, is about community, not necessarily the, the bricks and mortar technical stuff. It is very broad, hopefully it gives people the right message, but we always make sure that we hang around at the end to answer the questions about what wall insulation and what air source heat pump to go for, because we know that too. But the important thing is, as I'm sure you've uh, realised, there is quite a strong community sense, community spirit here within Portobello, which you can tap into. No, and I think it's really interesting, the communities who are asking us to come along are those communities who are actually already very well organised and very knowledgeable. And so there is a bit of a debate within our group as to whether that's the right thing to do, because ideally, you'd rather be giving this advice to people in more deprived areas, people who are starting from a lower base. But actually being able to use Banzai or, or Porty or Willowbray and Northfield, being able to use them to, to prove principle, to learn lessons that we can then take 
to those more deprived areas, you know, in a couple of months or a couple of years' time, however long that takes. That's actually a really powerful thing. So we're, we're happy to be able to tap into such well-organised places as Porty. The cat he mentioned is Cat McGill from Dark Matter Labs, an organisation which says it's working to create institutions, instruments and infrastructures for a more equitable, caring and sustainable future. However, a key point she wanted to get across is the importance of communities working together rather than individuals trying to cope with change all on their own. We think it's essential for climate transition. There are so many decisions that have to be made about changes to our homes and our neighbourhoods that if we don't organise to do that together, we'll have no chance to influence those changes. The scary thing was the cost involved of trying just to sort out Edinburgh alone. Yes, it's scary. I don't have an answer. (laughs) We're looking at at new ways to address that, but it's one of the most challenging things, really, is is to figure out how to solve the problem of the cost. We've got new legislation coming down the line which will force, for example, owners of tenements to, will force them to collaborate. That's going to be a major change. It will be a major change, but it's pretty far away still. And I think we've seen in the past, I guess there are more than a few examples where the governments tried to force something to happen and they found it really difficult. So they've tried previous schemes to do retrofit. They've tried to force other things on us. And I think it's just sometimes there isn't the mechanism to enforce that. So I do really hope that it will happen. But I think the important thing is that actually it starts by us caring about our homes, our neighbours, our streets and our communities and working together to make a difference. And I, it's, it's a journey, but we'll take it one step at a time. How do you persuade people who perhaps don't even know their neighbours? So one of the things we're starting out with is a building survey. So building survey gives you detailed information about your building and also looking at what's called the building passport or whole house retrofit plan. What that means is you can look at what do you need to do for maintenance to your home in the long run. And we think that most people actually care to some degree about maintenance of their home. Nobody wants a leaky roof. Nobody wants wind blowing through the windows. So we think that if we can start by talking about what's your long-term plan for maintenance, and also people want to improve their homes. So a lot of people want to renovate, they want to make their home prettier. So we want to start talking at the points that people connect with, and then we'll integrate that with how do you make your home more energy efficient? How do you reduce your bills in the long run? I think one thing that's interesting in terms of retrofit, cities will probably be taking strategies to address in the first instance the types of buildings that they have the most of. So they'll be looking at what's the distribution of buildings across the city and then looking at how can they organise, for example, retrofitting all of the bungalows. For example, bungalows in Edinburgh consume a lot of energy. They often have low energy efficiency ratings and they might be very expensive to retrofit. So we might look, I think cities will start looking at housing types. If you have a unique or unusual house situation, you may find that you'll have to sort out a lot of stuff on your own. One of the problems with older buildings, tenements in particular, is a factor of their age. The very materials they're built from make it really hard to retrofit anything easily, from air source heating to solar panels to simply moving away from gas central heating. However, Joanne McClelland, another founder of Yala Impacts, stressed that we shouldn't start even thinking about retrofitting until we really know what state the building is in, and that means maintenance. In the conversation about retrofit and energy efficiency, I think maintenance and repair is always the first step that you need to do. 
and the statistic that I had in the presentation there was a wet wall is 30% less efficient than a dry wall. That's looking at have you got the right mortar in your in your stonework? Is your mortar need repairing and upgrading? Do you have any water at ground level that's that's penetrating your wall? Windows, windowsills all need to be in good order. And yeah, 30% energy efficiency from, from a dry wall before we even start looking at the retrofit measures. But the problem that Edinburgh has is so many tenements where the neighbours perhaps don't need know each other terribly well, where they don't know whether they're owner or a tenant, for example. Yeah, there's a wonderful app that came out last year called Novaville Shared Repairs. It's um, promoted by Edinburgh Council and we're keen to promote it as well. Uh, you can go on the app, you can type your address in, you don't need to get all your neighbours on board, you can work on behalf of your neighbours, you can encourage your neighbours to join as well, you can take photos of the elements that might need review or repair and you can ask surveyors to come out and review the property or you can ask a repair specialists to come out and review the property as well. And There's a little marketplace on the app as well so you can actually purchase everything through it as well. In a previous podcast we were interviewing Under One Roof Scotland and one of the things that Mike was actually stressing was the, the, the way in which tenement owners in particular are going to have to form associations for joint repair. Yep, everyone's very keen to see the legislation come down the line. Hopefully tenement legislation will be asking us to all have owners association, a sinking fund and a building condition survey and that the building condition survey should be updated every three to five years. I think this is the most important thing as a homeowner. I think it's a little bit about empowerment and it's, it makes it less scary. If you have a plan in place done, done by a building sphere or, or a conservation architect, you then know what you need to save up for and you can do repair works in an, in an orderly manner and keep your building in, in good nick. And It doesn't become a threatening and worrying part of your life. But you were stressing that the first thing to do is, is maintenance before you even think about retrofit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. I think I do think the owners association that's encouraged uh, for tenement stairs is the small sort of like catalyst that we have in this in, in our response to shared retrofit and shared energy sources. I think if you can repair with your neighbours, you're on step one to district heating, I would say. One aspect the Rocho was keen to stress is that change needs to be driven locally. And that means using local specialists and suppliers wherever possible. Jimmy Hendry is a founder of Effect Studio, a firm of architects working here in Portobello. It really kind of depends. I think part of the, the knowledge base of working with existing buildings is knowing how they're kind of designed to behave and whether or not they are kind of behaving the way they were intended to. So you do get quite a lot of, just had a conversation with a guy about kind of bad retrofit, if that makes sense, of which there's a kind of tradition of through the 80s and 90s. So if your building was designed to be kind of breathable to dry out and no longer is because someone's kind of put poor insulation lining on it, you may kind of be multiplying the problems rather than kind of solving them. So part of the assessment is really just knowing the kind of building tradition that you're dealing with and knowing how it's meant to behave to be able to kind of modify it in a sensitive and knowledgeable way, I guess. So I live in a house in... Actually, looking out onto the prom, mm. it was built in 1840. Mm. That is one that has challenges, I think. Yes and no. If it's built in 1840, it's probably just solid stone. So the, the weatherproofing is basically dry on the inside because the stone is thick, so it doesn't soak right the way through. So one of the key problems that you find with those, if they've been modified to have a kind of non-breathable insulation on the inside, then they don't dry out. The water gets so far through, it gets stuck, and then starts to kind of cause mold. So it's, it's really just a matter of just knowing the way the building is kind of supposed to behave. It's, it's no more of a problem than something that was built in 1980. It's just what it's designed to do. 
So really that's part of the fun is just figuring out what something is supposed to do and figuring out how you might sensitively modify it. But the important thing is what we've been talking about here is doing things within the local economy yeah. and that's a really essential thing to do. Absolutely. I think there's there's a lot of kind of knowledge locally and there's a lot of skills locally and the more you can use local supply chains since we're talking about kind of carbon in a very abstract sense about kind of your heating releases carbon people traveling and bringing materials from different places equally produces further carbon so yeah engaging the local economy is one kind of very culturally important and two very environmentally important a major landowner in edinburgh is the local authority which is already working to retrofit its own properties including council houses there may be a temptation to suggest that the lead in retrofitting all houses should be taken by the council itself. However, Ethan Lewis has his reservations about that. When the council stepped in, they typically have the urge to do things to people, not to enable people to do things for themselves. And yet, you need the council to do something. It, it, it can access resources, it does have mechanisms to do things that community groups don't. But equally, you can't just invite them in and say, right, come and do a big, you know, sort of exercise to us. Don't come and retrofit us. Help us to retrofit ourselves. And so the council is doing things, but it is this balancing act. We're very lucky to have Kat McGill from Dark Matter Labs and Charlie from Evoc because they speak regularly to the council. I think Kat and Charlie seem to be managing the council actually rather well at the moment by getting the support, getting the opportunities, having the doors opened for them. But the council are, are staying at arm's length to give the space for the community groups to step into. It's about local resilience. And if the, just, if the council comes in and does things for people, that doesn't build local capacity. It might get 10% of the job done. You might get some insulation on your walls, but you don't get all the other great things that come from an active, aligned, resilient community, which is what we all want. The roadshow was held in the Baptist Church Hall. It had outgrown the available space at Belfield, where the whole heat fair was originally to be held but Belfield still hosted an event which brought together a considerable range of organisations, all of which are working to ensure that our homes and other buildings are fit for the 21st century, as I heard from Gillian Wilson from Porty Community Energy. Yes, yeah, so there's lots of stalls there with different companies who have products or services that might support people to look at low-carbon heating in their homes. So that's what the event up there is very much about. Also, there's some case studies of what's been done in other parts of the city. So information about inspire people as to things that they could do. It strikes me that Porty Community Energy has become really very proactive over the past year or so in actually bringing things to the community. Well, I think that's, that's our role. You know, we're not experts in the kind of technical side of it, the legal side of it, but we are an organisation that can help bring people together to support each other and work together. And I think that's what we can do is to like, stimulate people into thinking about what they could do. Oh, and there was also a Kaylee on Saturday evening, which I understand was a very popular event. But that's it for this extra edition of the Porty Podcast. We'll be back as usual on Saturday with an extended interview with Councillor Jane Mayer. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Bye for now.